Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Patricia Quijano-Dark, who is editor of OK Español, a twice-weekly Spanish-language publication in Utah. Today we will discuss her publication. Patricia was raised in New York City, and her family hails from Argentina. A graduate of Columbia University, she worked at publications in London, England, and at El Clarín, the Argentinian daily, before moving to Salt Lake City. In Salt Lake City, she worked in journalism as a freelancer and edited translations of Newsweek for the Spanish language edition. Prior to working at OK Español, she was executive director of the Utah Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. She has served on several boards of local nonprofits and is one of the co-founders of the Dual Immersion Academy, the first Dual Immersion Academy school in Utah. She is highlighted in Volume 1 of the book Utah Latinos and was named one of 30 Women to Watch by Utah Business Magazine. Patricia, welcome. Thank you. Before we get started with the publication itself, I'm curious, and I think that a lot of our listeners will be as well, to know a little bit about the Latino population in Utah, because certainly for many of us, it's not top of mind when we think of Latino communities in the United States. No, well, it's actually changed in just an radical way in the past. I've been here for almost six years, and even I've noticed the change. Um, in fact, according to the to the census, the Hispanic population has grown by 78% in the last decade. So it's it's pretty dramatic, the numbers. Do you know how many people that represents? Is this like, I, I know you have 100,000 Yeah, it's about 360,000 Hispanics. Statewide? Statewide. That's and still... the majority are here in this area. So. In Salt Lake City? Mm-hmm. About 20% of the Salt Lake City population is Latino. Do you know anything more about them in terms of, like, say, heritage, country of origin? The majority are from Mexico, um, and we've had a huge influx of people, uh, Mexican-Americans and Mexican um, immigrants that have moved here from Nevada and from California in recent years. So it's not just people coming straight over from Mexico. It's people from you know that were already in the United States trying to find a, uh, a family-friendly place to live, and this is certainly one of them. So they're, they're looking for quality of life in Salt Lake City? Yeah, and I mean, we have, you know, Salt Lake City, the economy is, is pretty strong compared to, to other states in, in the country, and unemployment seems to be lower. It's certainly very safe and very clean, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful place. Tell us about OK Español. That's a new name that the publication has adopted, right? It is. We, uh, we launched as El Observador de Utah two years ago. Um, we have over 12,000 home subscribers now, and as the paper grows, we start talking more and more to our readers and, and see what kind of outreach we're getting beyond the Wasatch Front, beyond the, you know, the limits of, of Salt Lake. And we realize that the the stories we're writing and the angle that we put on our stories is something that, that's of interest to all Latinos. So when we thought about how to expand, we realized that the De Utah part wouldn't work anymore. We needed to find a name that, that was ours, that belonged just to us, but that would be understood by Latinos everywhere, all over the United States and, and even across the border. So we came up with OK Español. 
And the publication is bilingual, is that correct? No, the publication's in Spanish. Um, this year we hope to expand our, our website and make it more as a go-to place for anybody who wants information about Latinos, about strengthening your family, about pretty much all the tools you need for for a strong family, about how to get your kids into college, how to ensure that your elementary school kids are doing well and on the right track, how to file for taxes, how to register to vote. Uh, we want it to be a, a friendly place where people can find everything they need, and that will be bilingual because we know that Latinos, you know, there's first, second, third, fourth generation. We come in all shapes, sizes, and colors, and we all need information to make it through life, but we all need different kinds of information given to us in different ways. How many pages does it have on average? The newspaper? 16. I'm sorry, did you say 16? 16 pages, yeah. And about half of it is local, local information. Um, and then we do national, international, and sports, of course. And then we also have an entertainment supplement. We know Latinos love movies and music and theater, and so we try to let them know what's going on here locally and also on a national, international level. I'm assuming that for the national and international news, you're relying on wire services, or do you have we correspondence? Are, yeah, no, we, we rely on wire services. We do have um, some local contacts in different places, which we'll tap into when we need it. My my team of reporters are from Colombia, from Mexico, I'm from Argentina, so we all have contacts in our home countries that that we can refer to when when we want to get you know more direct news. But uh, what we do differently than other newspapers is that we we really focus on the Latino family. Uh, you know, for Latinos, family is central to everything. The reason we work, the reason we get up every day, everything we do is is to help our families. So when we do the entertainment. But one of the things we look at, especially when we're doing things like movie reviews, Latinos go to the cinema more than, than the general population. And we go with our kids, our grandmother, our aunts, our uncles. You know, we do everything en masse. Um, when we're looking at movies and, and doing movie reviews, we want to make sure that that review tells people all the information they need. Is it appropriate for the different age groups? Is it appropriate for Abuelita to go as well as, you know, our five-year-old? Um, that's not something that's usually put out there for people. So sometimes we'll go to a movie, it'll be inappropriate, we'll be uncomfortable, we won't enjoy it. And other times, you know, movies are just made for little kids and the adults don't really get much out of it. So we try to make sure that all the information we're transmitting has the, the family component in it. How many staff do you have? Six. We've got um, four reporters, a proofreader, a marketing person, and then we also have a sales staff. And what's your breakdown of editorial to ad space? Um, it's about 60-40, 60 editorial, 40 ad. Are you only in print or do you also have an online presence? We have a very simple online presence right now. It's just our all the stories from our newspaper are on our website. Um, but like I, I mentioned before, we're looking to expand that into making it a go-to place for Latinos and Latino families and try to have all kinds of resources available to people. It's my understanding that the Latino population in general over-indexes in its use of mobile technologies such as the Internet and cell phones and mm -hmm. um, even tablets. Uh, specifically in relation to their income, they tend to spend more than other 
ethnic and racial groups on these tools and, and for entertainment as well. Will that affect your as you as you try to target that bilingual audience? Mm-hmm. Will that use of technology affect the way that you reach them? Will that impact? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're you know we're hoping to launch our mobile app at the same time that we launch our larger website, and what we feel it'll do is it'll it'll just put us we'll be able to get the information that people want to them in whichever way they want to receive it, and that that's really what we want. We know people need the information, you know, journalism I think is one of the major components of democracy. If we're not informed, we can't make good decisions. So we want to make sure that no matter how you like to receive your information, we're getting it to you. Patricia, as you probably know, many of the media, certainly the print media in the United States, have been suffering in the last years. The most recent reports on media and the status of media are reflecting that. You, on the other hand, are experiencing growth in part because, of course, your community is growing. What do you how do you explain that and how is that reflected in what you're seeing in your paper? Well, um, what we see is just like the Hispanic community across the United States, the Latinos are, we're just more, you know, we keep growing. The population is growing. We're going to be majority minority in a lot of States in the next 10 years. And I don't think that'll happen in Utah quite yet, but we are, people are learning to accept that Latinos are here to stay. There's a lot of us. We're not going anywhere, and we're an integral part of this community in this country. Um, by by accepting that, we're also they're also the general population is also understanding that we need all the tools and the information to become integrated into the into the society. And we as Latinos are gonna, you know, we still have our our Latina soul, our Latino spirit, but we also want to be part of this country. We wanna we want to know how we can be good citizens, how we can be good participants in this community. And so people are starting to see the importance of giving their kids good education. We, we, for example, we've started a quinceanera program. Every year we have 50 young ladies that have good GPAs whose families um, could not afford to give them a quinceanera. So what we do is we sign them on for, like a, I believe it's an eight or 10-week program. And every weekend we take them to a university along with their families if they want to go. And they meet leaders at the universities. They find out about scholarships. They they learn that going to college or you know going to some kind of school after high school is possible for everybody. And so we get these these kids really fired up, really excited, and their families you know turn to us and say, "We never knew. We didn't know that was possible. We didn't know our kids could go to school." Um, and I think as the population, the Latino population, starts understanding that our kids, our Latino children, can be anything they want, as long as we know how to help them, uh, people want more information. And I think that's why our paper is, is popular and it's growing, because that's exactly the information we give people. We're, we're taking our our community by the hand and saying, we can be anything. We just need to work at it. We need to know which way to go. We need to, to know what's available, what tools or what you know organizations are there to support us what colleges have programs that will help us get in. And and that's what we try to do. That's what we try to highlight. And we also try to highlight the heroes in our community, the people who have done, the people who have sacrificed to, you know, work two jobs while they're going to college and and now are leaders. You know, they're now astronauts and they're now secretary of 
of the treasurer. They're now judges. So that, that's it's an exciting time to be a Latino in this country, I think. Would you say, what would you say is the breakdown of your readership in terms of gender? Um, well, certainly the feedback, the letters to the editor and the calls and that kind of stuff that we get is is more female than male. But I think our actual readership is, is probably about 50-50. Um, from what we understand, our paper is read by the by the family. So, you know, the women will read it, they'll, throw, they'll show it to their husband and say, well, this is interesting, did you see this? So I think, I think it's pretty evenly balanced. What is what is very interesting about our readership is we um we do polls of our readers. We we call about 500 of our of our 12,000 readers every couple of months to see what their habits are, what they do, what they like, what they don't like. Um, and we found out some really interesting things. For example, 58% of our readers own their homes, and we also know that 56% of them um, have internet at home. So it's kind of when we're talking to our advertisers, it's kind of nice to demystify the Latino who, you know, a lot of people don't always have very positive thoughts about. And the other thing we know about our readers, sorry, is that they're very young. Um, they're 18 to 35 are the majority. And then we have a another group that's over 35. But it's quite exciting that the young, because we, we hope that by having a younger readership, they'll be open to the mobile apps and the internet and all that when we start launching those products. In terms of the local coverage and entertainment that you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. how would you say that you break it down now that you've shared with us a little bit about your reader profile, if you will? How do you decide or what percentage do you allocate to what topics? Well, our um, our areas of editorial focus, shall we say, and they're pretty divided evenly depending on what's happening in the news and, and what what you know what's going on around us. But our one of our big focuses, and because it also it's a it's a big love of mine, is excellence in education. And we talk to parents about the importance and the opportunities available and how parental involvement is very important. Um, you know, in Latin America, we parents don't get very involved in our school. We expect our the teachers to be the pros and we just hand our kids over and hope they'll do a good job. In this country, parents have to be involved. You know, there's a lot of research about the importance of being in the classroom and sitting down with our kids and seeing what work they're doing and and think that's something that needs to be highlighted and needs to be to be shown, you know, the, the success stories that come from parents being involved in their kids' education. Um, so excellence in education is our, our number one. The other one is community participation about how when people do get involved in, in the political system, in the community, in, in, in our charities, how by coming together we can be stronger. You know, sometimes some people need more help than others, and those who are in a position to help should go out and help. So we highlight the, the heroes that do go and help and the good neighbors we have in our community and, and how it's important to, to volunteer and to accept our, our civil responsibilities. So community participation is another one. Um, then our main focus is strengthening and empowering the family, uh, the importance of family dynamics, understanding family finances, why it's, you know, as Latinos, most of our financial decisions are made in a group. We all, you know, we all pitch in about whether we should get a new car, whether we shouldn't, you know, if, you know, Tia Juanita is going to lend us the money. It, it, pretty much everything we do is, is decided by this family unit. So it's important for, for, people to understand family finances and the importance of, 
you know, budgeting and helping each other. So we do a lot of stories when we hear about about programs or about people that have found ways to to keep their money in order. You know, especially during these difficult financial times, there's a lot of places where you can save money or put money together or what's what's a good investment. So we do things like what are the things to keep in mind when you're buying a house? What are the questions you should ask your bank if you're looking for a loan? That kind of, of simple how-tos. Um, another area that's important to us is personal well-being. You know, we all work so hard, we're so busy doing one, two, three, four jobs, the kids, the house, that we sometimes forget to take care of ourselves. And especially for parents, it's very important to be healthy and strong so that we're there for our kids. Um, there's a lot of illnesses that are common amongst Hispanics, which are, you know, we can take care of by doing exercise, by eating better. So, so we also highlight that. Um, we're always looking to celebrate our heritage. That's another area that's important to us. Our holidays, our days of independence. Uh, who in our in our home countries or here locally are the people that have helped Latinos move forward in this in this society? And what are our traditions and values, and why it's so important to keep those going and to make sure our kids know about them? And um, as you know, I opened a bilingual school because I also think it's very important to keep our language alive. Uh, that the printed paper is in Spanish, and I'd like to keep it that way because I want our children to be able to share those stories with their grandmothers and, and their fathers. Um, the web will be bilingual because I want people to make sure that everybody gets those tools that they need, um, gets the information that they want to access, and if you know they've lost their Spanish, which sadly so many Latinos have, um, I want to make sure that they can understand us too. So those are our main areas that we focus on. Um, Wrapped up with all that is also that as Latinos, we're very, we're very faith-oriented. We're very spiritual people. Um, we don't necessarily lean towards talking about religion, but we do talk about how the, the strength of a Latino is, is very important in our success. As someone who has lived in some fairly large, important cities like New York and London and Buenos Aires, and worked with some national, international publications. What do you see different with being involved with a publication, being in charge of a publication in such a different community that's very family-oriented, such as Salt Lake City, and with the community, the Latino community that lives there? What similarities, what differences stand out for you? Um, the similarities, the one thing I've, I, like I said, I find in Latinos everywhere is the importance of our family. That, that's what it keeps coming back to, whether I was in Buenos Aires or in Spain or in London or, or New York. That, that seems to always be number one in all our minds and hearts. Um, so that was, you know, when I got offered this position, I went out and, and talked to members of the community and talked to business owners and and just talk to people, you know, working. I, I spent a lot of time going into shops and McDonald's and supermarkets and whatever, and just kind of talking to people about what they're doing, what's important to them, what they feel, what, what they're lacking, uh, you know, as far as information. It was, it was all about that. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our, in our busy day-to-day -day work lives that, that we let other things, like our children's education, just fall to the wayside because it just seems too difficult, too complicated, too, too far out to reach. Um, so I think... Lack of information is something that that's kind of endemic to to our community. It's it's hard to 
sometimes we want to find out, we want to get all the information we need about, for example, the political candidates, because we as Latinas love to argue, to debate, you know, that's number one dinner table thing. You can have 50 conversations going on and on, they'll go in circles and, and it's kind of whoever is best informed is the one that's going to win the argument. So um, people want to be informed. Sometimes it's just, it's hard to find the time or the means to do it. One of the things that I've heard from bilingual Hispanics is that given the choice, they tend to gravitate to information in English because they're more comfortable with the language for many of them and because they find that it's more credible. What are your thoughts on that? I Sadly, I have to agree. <clears throat> I don't think it's a good thing. I think, you know, we especially... If you're bilingual, my daughter, was, who's eight, was interviewed on a, on a radio show one day and asked, you know, why do you go to a bilingual school? Isn't it hard? Isn't it complicated? Don't you get things mixed up? And she goes, no, it's easy. And she goes, and you know what? I learned in school that two is more than one, so that means I know more. And, and she's right. It, it's, the more we know, the better we are. The more experiences we have, the better chance we have of getting a good job, you know, if you have two languages, you could communicate with twice as many people. Um, sadly, for, for many, many years, Latinos here thought, you know, English is the language that we're in this country. And yes, we should learn English. We should all know English. But that doesn't mean we should forget our Spanish. We should be proud to, to be bilingual. And I think it's important for parents to let their kids know to not let the Spanish go away. It's so easy. And in the first three months that we moved here from Buenos Aires, my eldest daughter refused to speak any Spanish at all because nobody understood her, so she was embarrassed. And it's been a, a lot of hard work and having to open a bilingual school just to get her to start speaking Spanish again, but it's, it was worth it. What would you say are the biggest challenges that you face running a Spanish language publication, print publication, in English language dominated community? Um, I think if you read the comment boards on any immigration story on, in, in any newspaper across this country, there's a lot of negativity going on right now. Um, you know, this, the, the difficult financial times, there's always got to be a scapegoat, and in many cases, it is Latinos. Uh, you know, saying that we take away their jobs and that unemployment's so high because there's so many people undocumented here. And, I mean, the facts show that that's not true, but, but the facts don't always matter to people. Right now, they just need somebody to be angry at, and, and sadly, Latinos are often that scapegoat. And that happens here in Utah, too, so sometimes it's kind of hard. You know, we're, we're looked at as not being as important or, you know, being on the margins of, of society, not, not being major decision makers in, in what happens in the state. Uh, things are slowly but fortunately improving with that. We now have four Latino legislators, and that's, you know, that's fantastic to have our voice up on Capitol Hill. Um, I think people are starting to, the general population is starting to take notice and accept the fact that we're not going anywhere. So in that sense, we're getting more people talking to us, more people willing to share their ideas, um, <clears throat> especially educational groups. There's so many schools in the Salt Lake area that are more than 50% Latino. Um, so educators are starting to, to sit up and notice that, you know, whether it's immersion or ESL programs or, or whatever is needed, but we, we need to do something about the education gap, for example. That was, 
something that's just been ignored for years and years. And legislators, educators, and, and parents are sitting up and saying, we, we can't do this. You know, this is the future of this nation. At least 50% of those kids are going to are gonna be running this state. So so things are starting to, to take a positive turn. But, you know, we still have a long way to go. So there's some challenges, and it's certainly a, a big difference from working with some of those well-known publications in your resume. There obviously must be some rewards that spur you on. Would you tell us about that? Um, the rewards are the letters we get, uh, the communication. You know, we, we know we're finally starting to get uh, the Latino community here talking. The, the, the conversation has finally started, uh, and that is fantastic. You know, we get things, for example, um, Comcast has recently offered a program for kids to get free or reduced lunch to get very, very inexpensive Internet. So we wrote a little story about that because we thought it was great that everybody should have access to the Internet. We got like three letters from parents saying, you know, now we can we can communicate with our family back in Mexico. Now our kids can do their homework and we can see what they're doing. Um, you know, just it's little things. It's it's that information, that little gap in information that people just aren't getting everything. And we're we're hoping to close that gap. And we're getting response that this has been good for people. And certainly one of the greatest things has been our our quinceanera program, getting letters from tons of families. I mean more than half of our families wrote to us saying how getting their children involved in, in our leadership university educational program for quinceañeras has really changed the future of their family. You know, they, they see a, a bright future for, for their daughters and they hope to encourage their sons as well. Um, that's where we're heading to next. We're hoping to try to figure out what we can do for, for the young men in our community to get them college bound as well. But there's always a lot to do. Has it been challenging for you to find Spanish-dominant or certainly Spanish-fluent staff? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I've gone to the colleges. I call them all the time. I'm always looking for interns and to actually find young people who who are educated but can also write well in Spanish and English. is It's tough. It's really tough. Um, I think that's been a, a huge gap in our education. A lot of kids can speak Spanish, but then when you ask them to write, they can't even write a full sentence, and that's that's very sad. So um, that's why I had to get my staff from different places. I brought um, one of my reporters over from Tijuana. She was a, a border reporter that worked in San Diego and Tijuana, and she was willing to come when we launched. Um, I brought another reporter from Washington, D.C. He's from Colombia, but he worked for the Spanish edition of the Washington Times. Um it's hard. It's it, it it is sadly hard to find professional Latinos who who are fluent in both languages, who can write in both languages. But fortunately, there's a couple of universities in, across the country who are starting to do programs in Spanish, Spanish literature, Spanish journalism, which is great. It'll it, hopefully it'll strengthen our bilingualism. When you look at your crystal ball. Um, in the mornings or maybe once a week. I don't know how often you look at your crystal ball. <laughs> what do you see, Patricia? I, I know you have a lot of plans about for the bilingual and the online edition, mm-hmm. but could you tell us a little bit more about what you anticipate, say, in the next year or two? Next year or two, hopefully, we'll, we'll see the launch of our, of our website and our mobile app. Um, I also hope it, you know, I've I've been very, very fortunate that 
the the CEOs here in the company, particularly the CEO of Desert Management Corporation, Mark Willis, he used to be the publisher of the LA Times. Um, just is so open and so incredibly supportive of everything, you know, and he he sees the need for Latinos to be informed and it's just amazing to have, you know, the CEO back you up 100%. So with that in mind, I do see us moving forward. I do see us expanding in, in you know, different ways, different kinds of media outreach to inform people. I also hope to see our... Um, more of our kids in school. Um, I'm involved with a, still with a nonprofit that raises money called the Somos Foundation to get Latinos into college. It's a scholarship program, and that's growing year over year. We're getting more kids into schools, and, and really, at the end of the day, that, that's what's going to define the future of this country, is getting more Latinos well-educated. And that's, I hope that's the direction we can, we can move forward to. One of the big issues, of course, for any media outlet today, but certainly in the, on the print side, is remaining viable, of course, through ad sales. I know this is a little bit outside your area, but <laughs> there, there has to be some place where the ad and the editorial folks, uh, executive folks get together and discuss this. Where do you see yourself in that? Because, of course, even if the editorial is very successful, if the ads don't make it, then we see the situation that we're seeing all over the country, which mm -hmm. is papers folding over and over again and the loss of valuable information to communities all over the country. What can you tell us about that? Um, well, I'm really not that involved with it, but I do, because I was director of the Hispanic Chamber, I do know a lot of the, the, the movers and shakers, shall we say, here in Salt Lake. Um, and a lot of them, when I was at the chamber, joined the chamber because they realized they couldn't ignore, they, they couldn't continue ignoring 20% of the population. You know, if you can make a, if you can make a hundred dollars, why would you just make 80? So, so I think people are starting to get that. Companies are starting to get that. Um, and that's something that I, I make it very clear to, to our salespeople that, you know, as an editorial team, we're not going to write stories about their clients. But certainly, if any of their clients are doing something good for the community, we're more than happy to stand up and applaud them. You know, companies that are donating to scholarship funds, companies that are making an effort to bring in, to bring in Latino employees, you know, that, that's the support we get from the editorial side is, is you know, applauding and putting on a, on a pedestal those, those, that are, those that are doing good. And there's a lot of companies, especially here in Utah, that, that do good, that do want to help kids, that, you know, send their employees to do mentorships in, in school. Um, you know, Mentors for Latinos is, is a pretty big thing. It, it has incredible success stories from that. So we highlight those people. We, we, I think we support our, our salespeople by saying, go find the good guys and let us know about them. Um, I think, you know, once the word is out there that you really don't want to ignore 20% of the population as it is in the state or, you know, 25, 50 in, in other places, I think businesses will start moving and realize that we're here and if you got something to sell, we want to hear about it. So I'm hoping, you know, that that'll push us forward and that'll keep us going in the long run. To those of our listeners who are in public relations and want to get in the paper, what would you say, what words of wisdom would you share with them 
for things that they should keep in mind before approaching you? What tips would you well, share? It's absolutely about sharing the good news. You know, you got good people. Good people need to be people. We need to hear about them. We need to hear about the good things they do. People who volunteer, companies who, you know, large corporations who give their staff time to go out in the community and help. Those are, those are really good things. Those are things we want to hear about. Um, if you're just going to sell us a product, that's, that's for the advertising area. But for the editorial side, give us good stories. You know, give us good people to, to meet, good people who are out there who want to help, people who, who get it, who understand you know, what the Latino community is and what we aspire to and, and that we really have no limitations. We just sometimes need a little bit more, more help or, or at least somebody turning to us and encouraging us in a, in a way that historically I think we haven't been encouraged. So for PR people out there, find the good stories, find the good people, and let us know about them. Let us know about the good work they're doing. And mostly at a local level, is that right? Local and national. Um, right now we have a, a group here called Latinos in Action. It's a wonderful program in high schools. Um, kids who, who are Latino and get good grades get to spend one period a week uh, being trained as mentors to work with younger children, which is like a, it, it's just, it's fantastic. The Latinos in Action program here has hundreds of students involved right now. I think over 50 high schools are, are involved in that. And they have a 100% high school graduation rate. Um, they went, they recently went, they're the person who organizes them, recently went to a national conference. And there's lots of programs like that on a national level. So if we can find kids in, you know, Chicago or Texas that are doing something similar to what our kids locally are doing, it's great to tie it all together. You know, it's nice to know that what we're doing here is, which is working is also being some, somewhere else. Um, and the things that aren't working in other places, I think it's important for us to understand here so we don't make the same mistakes. So we do, we do want things that are going on nationally as well. We can't live in a bubble. Should they reach out to you by email or phone call? Yes. Emails are great. Emails with, you know, something that catches my attention that says, you know, have I got a great hero for you? That'll catch my attention. Because there's, okay, so there's, there's so many people in this society that, you know, do great things and we never hear about it. So you're going to get 300 emails that all say, have I got a great hero for you? If there's a real hero there, then I'd love to hear him. Patricia, what suggestions, what tips would you share with our listeners in terms of the editorial side of a print publication, in terms of reaching out to a Spanish-dominant Hispanic community? What things would you share that they might learn from and take back to their work and to their projects and to help them be more mm -hmm. successful? Don't underestimate us. Um, a lot of people think, you know, Hispanics might have a lower level of education, therefore you need to speak down to them. No. I mean, if you look at any of the newspapers in, in Mexico and Colombia and Argentina and Chile, newspapers are written by professionals in a very professional way. Um, and there's no reason why when we cross the border, we leave our brains on the other side. Even if it's two, three, four generations, you know, we're, we're still smart, intelligent people who want to know, who want to be informed. So treat us as such. Write to us in a way where, you know, you might have to explain more details, but write clearly. Get professional writers. Um, one of the surveys, we, we did quite a few focus groups before we launched the paper, 
And one of the things that came out of a lot of that was that Latinos want professionals. They want professional journalists they can trust. They want things written in a professional way. They don't want somebody who's, you know, a, who's selling vegetables during the day writing their news stories at night. They want somebody who knows how to ask the questions, how to ask the right questions, how to ask the more interesting questions, and they want it written properly. Um, and that was that was kind of an eye-opener because a lot of people are like, well, you know, maybe you just need to do something very simple, sh- very short stories. You don't want to get too complicated. And I'm like, why? Why Why would we do it any differently than we would anywhere else and in, for any other population? So don't, un- don't underestimate your readers. Um, and the other thing in, is that there's a lot of us. There's, there's a lot of Latinos out there. In fact, every year there's 500,000 new Latino voters. And we need to capture those people. We need to get those, those new voters, those young people involved. You know, if our young Latinos don't want to be involved in, in, in improving this country and developing this country and growing our economy, we're going to, it's not going to be a very pretty place down the line. Um, so it's, it's important to, to get our attention, to get the attention of, of especially the young people. Um, you know, things are pretty negative, especially on an, on an economic level for a lot of communities, but we need to figure out how to, how to get them involved, how to pull them back into the game. Thank you, Patricia, for joining us from Salt Lake City. My pleasure. My pleasure. And I hope to get lots of great hero stories. <laughs> And to our audience, thank you for listening to Patricia Quijano-Dark, who is editor of OK Español, a twice-weekly Spanish-language publication in Salt Lake City, about her publication. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicNPR.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.